Jamie. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. What's good? Welcome back, everybody. I guess this is a kind of a fresh restart for us. Uh, welcome to the Dumpster Fire podcast. My name is Alonzo, or Aldo, depending on what time of the day you talk to me. I got a last name, too, but I can't pronounce it. And I'm joined here with my co host. Jazz. A.K. Chris. I mean, it would be the other way around, but. You will know. Yeah. That's the way it rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and no. today we're uh, we're joined by our, our, our buddy, Austin Gucci Brucci. What's up, guys? Dude, uh, I'm happy to fucking chill with you again more than yeah, anything it's been, else. It's and been a little bit, been a little bit. It's been a little bit. And my dude has a crazy ass fucking story we need to circle back on a little bit later. Well, we got special guest Wilson on the ground wandering on all fours. He's the naked, too. That's right. Yeah, no he, came this house, he came in this house with collar. Now he's, he's showing his true colors right now. Getting a little wild, man. Let it all hang out. Yeah. My, man's, my man's about 12 bowls of water deep right now. <laughs> Dragging that fifth wheel. Yeah, man. <laughs> fifth leg, I mean, yeah. Uh, so for anybody that hasn't ever heard of us or listened to our old shit, um, yeah, man, we're uh, just a couple of drivers, a couple of amateur club racers. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what's the problem, the alcohol or the fucking the racing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Essentially, um, our group came together. We we're a bunch of racers and track day enthusiasts. And of course, we all like drinking our beer. We all like listening to the same exact music for the most part. And yeah. there we are. And now we're yeah. just, I mean, I feel like the closest thing I compare this to, can compare this to, is probably like after our paddock chats. I feel like that's where we kind of fall in the realm. I feel like that's a good comparison. Yeah, we got a lot of shit to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I don't know so much about shit, but I mean, there's plenty of things to talk about as far as racing, partying, drinking, even the family life a little bit. Yeah. You know, we've come a long way, man. I mean... I think we've all known each other for about four or five years now. Yeah. Um, with the NASA stuff, the NASA crew. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I mean, times have, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. Hell yeah, man. You know. And, and, and the whole cars and racing and tracking portion, it's been really the only thing that's been, I guess, consistent with everybody's lives. And I feel like this is where we kind of bridge personalities and stories and whatnot. Everybody else has something going on, families, jobs, yada, yada, yada. But. How we all come together is at the track. Yeah, I think we uh, we missed the window on having a TV show. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we definitely could have had, like, if you took Jersey Shore and then crossed it with Street Outlaws, we would have been somewhere in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But at the same time, like, I almost don't feel bad because what was the name of that show on VHS or VH1? Where it's like, where are they now or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all would have been in either. You know, I don't even think of like a drug rehab, but definitely in some some sort of AA meetings, <laughs> like bankruptcy. Um, yeah. There would have been some definitely falling out with people's careers. <laughs> uh, I don't know so much of people being like on the street addicted to drugs, like taking it that far. No, 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 we're definitely not that far. I, but. I definitely certainly think if we would have stayed on that path, um, some people's lives would have fallen apart. Yeah, oh, for, I mean, yeah. first of all, like obviously we. We don't mix the drinking and the driving, but no, we don't. But the problem was, was you can't have us together. <laughs> no. Yeah. You, the problem was, is we would have the race weekend and then we would hang out all three other weekends of the month, but it would just be, let's turn this up to 12 
And hey, guys, we're not racing in the morning. <laughs> well, we can talk about like, like for example, like some point cart. That shit's defunct, so we can talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now I don't feel like that's declassified. Now. <laughs> right? yeah, it's declassified. That place is gone, dude. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like sitting in the summit point cart parking lot, slamming fireball after we drank like six fucking beers. You know, like yeah. leading up to that. And I, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, there's signs now. I'm not saying which company it is. Or what corporation, if, if it is one, specifically says no consumption of alcohol before getting in our carts. I'm pretty sure that's directed out of a select few that yeah. uh, patronize that facility. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They see us all walking by, walking by the track with our helmets straight to the bar. These fucking guys. Manager yeah. comes on and is like, you guys better not be coming by. Okay. That's cool, man. It's cool, man. Yeah. Meanwhile. 15 minutes later, we're all in line trying to pay for our sessions. But you know what? It's funny. Our, our money's green. They don't turn us down and we keep we actually for the, for the most part kept it clean well yeah there's been our times yeah yeah but no one died but did you die <laughs> <laughs> but nobody died it yeah yeah no, no no i mean like having fun and hey, what's that one thing that you say all the time you only go around this rock once yeah that's right you only go around this rock yeah, man, once yeah. man make that's the most a, of it that's a famous famous chris quote <laughs> yep. yeah yeah, he doesn't, have, I any totally agree with he doesn't have any tattoos, but if he had one, it'd probably be that. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'd have a, like a picture of a, like a lava rock, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and like a like an arrow, <laughs> like going around a lava it. Rock and arrow. <laughs> sure, some random some, shit with I'll, an inspirational <laughs> quote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some stupid shit like that, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is the, pretty much the gist of it, man. We just like to drive, we like to drink. We, I mean, obviously not combined, and we like to have a good time. And luckily enough for us, a good chunk of us in our region live relatively close. So, I mean, in future episodes, I'm sure we'll have some more of the track that shit pals come on board. And, of course, some other people that, you know, I just I guess we want to pick their brains on. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't say enough about how we're compared to the other regions. We're, we're truly blessed, man. We've got an excellent group. We've. For a while so there, I was saying, you know, we've caught lightning in a bottle. Oh, for sure. You know, with with the people we have with everybody being blessed enough to have the means to do this. Right. Because, you know, amateur racing takes a lot of resources, whether it's time, money, and a combination of the both, or both, to do it, do it consistently. And, you know, let's forget about competitiveness, but just keeping these damn cars running. Yeah. And then having the means and the resources to get out to the track and run the events month in month out for the season right and you're talking seven events over the course of the season you know that takes a lot of time and effort yeah and sacrifice a hundred percent you know what i mean it's it's something that we're definitely all very passionate about sure i can't tell you the last time i've taken a quote-unquote vacation yeah it's probably honestly for his bachelor party yeah you know and and that was an economically you know somewhat feasible yeah. yeah like conservative trip you know, I'm not like I haven't taken like an overseas, like go to the Bahamas or like Cancun. Oh, yeah. Or something sure. like that. Like a legit like seven day. So vacation in a, in a very let, long time. Let's transition here a little bit. I mean, I guess they got the gist of who the group is or I guess at the point when we have other people on here, they can understand where we're coming from. Yeah. But what about you? What's what's your quick and sweet, you know, upcoming into the whole racing world? Yeah, so um, I became single after a long-term relationship in uh, in 2015, and I had a friend 
um, who asked me, hey, man, would you like to race your, you know, he said race, but drive your car on track. And I was like, what kind of a track? You know, the drag strip. I've been there, done that. Yeah. You know, I'm not interested in going back there. It was fun, but I have a street car. Um, so we went out to Summit Point. We got involved. I got involved with NASA. And the minute I got on track from like the first lap of HBDE1 with an instructor, I was hooked, oh, man. Dude. Shit. Like it was like somebody threw a, a lure into the water and I was a starving fish, man. Yeah. Caught me hook, line, and sinker. And then uh, I did a couple more events. And I met one of our competitors in the region, a pretty successful guy, been doing this for a while. And he kind of took me, took me in and showed me the ropes, gave me a lot of the, not so much insider information, but like kind of just like streamlined the process between HPDE and and, and racing. Like gave you like the person that already blazed that trail, Yeah, you know, said, here's the way to do it and do it efficiently. And he did that for me. And. I went from doing HPDE2 in March of 2016 to the very following year doing comp school. Right. And passed. Um, always had a good setup in the car. And, you know, and we were pretty successful in 17 and 18. And then, you know, 19 kind of hit a patch of bad luck and the wheels kind of fell off the whole program. Um. You know, pardon the pun there. <laughs> uh, Didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it, but story for another time. Right, <laughs> right. now on my checkbook right now. Yeah, but uh now we we had our fair share of problems. And you know, even if even up to last weekend, man, they have not you know failed to stop. We've had a couple of good events, but you know, for the most part, you know, I, I enjoy doing this and I, I have no no interest in quitting. <laughs> Right. And um, I guess for the audience, more than anything else there, I mean, our background, I guess, coming to what these little bit of introductions are, is that we raised Haunted Challenge 2 with the National Auto Sports Association. Right. So a lot of us, that's at least a good chunk of us that are revolved around this group. I won't say a good chunk. I mean, pretty much the entire damn crew. Uh, we all drive Hondas. If you don't race a Honda Challenge, then at some point you're in some kind of HPDE ladder or you're doing something related to Hondas. We're pretty much Honda street scene kids that kind of moved over to the road course. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my story is a little different than Chris. Um, probably a complete opposite end of the spectrum, man. <laughs> I started in 2012, uh, believe it or not. So, I mean, what, we're in 2021. Yeah. So nine years. Yeah. Holy shit. Right. Yeah. And, um, actually I just did comp school last weekend and we'll touch back on that. But, um, well, didn't they find you like, Digging for lunchables behind a trash barrel. Oh my god, we, we gotta have Mike on that. The story changes every time. But um, yeah, man, I, I started my HPD career, I guess, back in 2012, and that's when I met Mike and PB and whatnot. And we're at Summit Point at the slums. At the slums, Slum where we all got to start. Hey, it's home, man. It's home. Wait, it's how home. many stories are there? Because I've only heard the lunchable story. Well, oh. the lunchable story kind of has various. He was pick, like a cat. It was like a pick your own adventure. <laughs> yeah. Like I think they were shining like a flashlight over there. Like, what's that noise? Yeah. And then like you ever flash a like a like a flashlight at a cat's eyes? You know, like it, like re- there's like reflections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what kind of like he was like behind there, like, you know, like dodging the light. <laughs> yeah. You know, hiding his lunchable, like, shit, are they after my food? <laughs> but, uh, but um I, I guess to kind of like get back to where it was. I mean, it, Diving back in that conversation, I mean, we're going to have to have Mike on here explain that all because he explains it the best. He's, he's the only one that truly knows. Yeah. Um, so when I first started, obviously, I was driving a little 
single cam hatchback. And of course, I met Mike and PB over there. Mm-hmm. At least I tried to. Um, and of course, they were on separate schedules as far as like I was in group one and they're in group two. So if I wasn't on track, they were in the classroom or yada, yada, yada. It's one of these situations where we just couldn't meet in the paddock somehow. So I actually blew them up on Instagram. And a lot of this had to do for the fact that this was like the these were like the only other Hondas in the paddock. Right. You know, us brothers got to stick together. That's right. So <laughs> a lot of haters. <laughs> yeah. And so it eventually became that. And we're like, OK, we'll pack together this and that, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, nine years later, here I am still tracking these 10, 20 year old tin cans. 20 year old. I mean, shit, they're approaching 30. Yeah. OK. Mine's 20 almost oh, a couple man. of years. Excuse the semantics. Fuck <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, Um, I, I, I would. I mean. Chris, you fast track, but I mean, I, I guess I'm more like a equivalent of a beach bum when it came down to the track stuff. Yeah. Like I loved hanging out. I loved going at my pace. And then eventually, like I pretty much went from I pretty much had to get kicked out of group one, get kicked out of group two, <laughs> got pretty much shoved into group three. <laughs> well, I, I think the difference would be that I had somebody where the difference was that you had the the TTS guys kind of like setting the momentum, like the tempo for you. And those guys kind of were the same way. You know what I mean? Like we're just hanging out, having a good time. Yeah. Party on track. Yeah. Whereas the person that, you know, I kind of had leading the way for me was a person that had been actually racing for some significant amount of time. That's a a big, that's a big difference for sure. Right. And they were like, you know, don't even waste your time with that. Get into racing, get on track and let's go. And dude, my, my aspirations from the very get go were Honda Challenge. And at the time, I was very naive and I, I didn't. Well, first of all, Honda Challenge at the time was dead in Mid Atlantic. It did not exist. It didn't exist until 2016 when, you know, the original four were just like, we're all hopping in this together. But um, I had the aspiration. And like I said, I was naive and I watched old videos from back in the early 2000s and stuff. And me not knowing that that had been dead for a while. Right. And so, you know, it became one of these things where I, I faced the reality of it. But at least I have my Honda Buds that I get to do track stuff with. And, you know, instead of going straight to racing, I went and became an instructor. Um, I take some balls, man. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I guess. I mean, it's definitely weird to be in the passenger seat when you don't have control out your hands, but you have to control the person to the left of you. Do they have like. Well, I guess not because no, they're, you're, they're in in they're, yeah. you're in their cars. You're in their car. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm missing like a screw or chromosome dude, or something. But you dude, seriously are. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. And to be honest with you, like that was, I mean, I'm not saying I regret going comp, but at the same time, it's one of these things where I'm looking at events where I can actually still go back and contribute to newer drivers. I mean, that was 2016, I think, is when I got my instructor license. Okay. Wow. I didn't even know you had that. Yeah, so I've been instructing since 2016. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, I've enjoyed every single ride that I've gotten it, regardless of how much of a struggle it was for some students. Well, so you 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 climb the mountain. Yeah. You reach the summit. Tell me about your thoughts regarding, you know, what it was like doing comp school, what your thoughts were for your first legit race. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's, let's get down dirty with it, man. Yeah, get into that. Yeah, um... Dude, it was wild, man, because I honestly like all my all my experience as far as like tracking my nine years plus the X amount of years I spent instructing, you know, granted, I learned a lot from the passenger seat with various students, but I don't think a lot of that really pales to what the experience is actually going wheel to wheel. Mm-hmm. Like you can have all the experience and 
you know, especially if you're doing the same car, you can, you know, obviously you can figure out your own car and what to do with it on certain places of the track, you know, if you're completely offline and handling whatever situation, yada, yada, yada. But um, I don't think there's really a real preparation as to what it is as far as like the chaos goes. I feel like that's the only way I can really say it because you go into, I mean, we've discussed this before where it's like you're an HPD for an instructor group. And I mean, I, this has been my life for like the past X amount of years where I have a Honda and of course you have these Corvettes blowing by you, but it's tame, but it's tame. It's organized. It's tame. It's organized. Everybody knows what they're talking about. You know, when, when you're in the car, you get a past in HPD four or you do a pass in HPD four and it's pretty much the same. It's very mutual. Yeah, it's, it's very mutual and it's like the same it's done the same way yeah. every time. And it's like there's a lot of communication beforehand and right. afterhand. You know exactly what's happening. Yeah. And it's it's very the pace mentally is way lower yeah. than what it is in racing. And um I'll get into the whole comp school portion, but just to dab a little bit on the actual race situation, I mean I felt like I always had like wide eyes, you know, like looking in each one of my mirrors, looking back, looking forward, looking this, looking le- left, right, whatever. You know, I've had people point as like, yeah, you look a lot in your mirrors. That doesn't really prepare you what it's like to actually be wheel to wheel where, you know, where um, you're in the car and there's there's cars literally blowing by you at every like, especially if you're slow like me in the very get go. And the problem is one wrong move. Yeah. You're not only taking yourself out. You're taking somebody else. You're out. taking somebody else out. And I mean, these cars are coming at you quick. These cars are coming at you close. And you have to have your eyes wide open for everything that's going on. And he, he, here's the thing about it, man. It's it's one of these things that you have to kind of acclimate yourself to, because obviously you want to do your driving at a, like a, at a subconscious level. You, you understand your car, you're getting around the track, doing all that. But now you got to be super conscious about who's around you. You know, if, if you have a blind spot, anything, you know, it's like there's going to be a car. There's going to be a place around your car where there's going to be another car. Well, I think I think what will happen is as you gain more experience and more races under your belt, you're going to just naturally understand the spots that are going to be, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, more, there are more sensitive parts of the track than others. Yeah. No, you know I, I mean, you've yeah. always got to be conscious of your mirror, you know, but luckily we race Honda challenge, which is, a, which is at the front of the lightning group. Yeah. So, you don't really have to be terribly concerned about who's going to be in your mirror. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a, um, well, I guess what I was talking about more, I mean, granted, this is my first weekend was more so the beast of the East race. Well, the BC East races and I've, yeah, I've had my words about the beast of the East race. It was a lot like that fun race. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of chaos, you know, when you mix all the different classes together like that and you release them not in waves, but in one giant group, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in a sense kind of asking for trouble. Yeah. Um, but it's like the wild west, but it's really freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like, like for example, like turn one, like you're, you're, you're going to figure out the spots at both tracks Yeah. where you really got to be conscious of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Like turn one of VIR, yeah. uh, the roller coaster, like going down like the, like towards the end of the back straight. Yeah. You know, you've got to be like real watching your mirrors, like who's coming up on me. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go through, like turn three and the, you know, like the little S's, like you don't have to be worried about that. Yeah. I mean, those are pretty you, obvious. You're just, you'll yeah. just, you'll get a feel, I guess. Also too, like, <clears throat> well, I, I don't race. Like, obviously I'm mm. just here because I'm good friends with Chris. I love the track, that shit crew, yada, yada, yada. But you're, you said you were in like a group riding around. And I imagine when you're in like that group setting, you're not, 
it's not competitive. Oh no! Yeah, so you're not nearly at when, when you're not hundred percent exactly. So when you're not in a competitive aspect of it, I mean, like you can pretty much throw away, you know, like at any given point. We've talked about this before, like in separate conversations, where at any given point you can just give up when you're like in DE. Right. You can just give up. You can back off. You can be like, you know, what, I'm gonna take this lap off. I'm gonna let that car go. But it's like when you're thrown in this race environment. I mean, you're, you're thrown into the sharks. You're, I won't say you're fending for your life, but you're fending for your race the entire time from start to finish. You know, how you're going to get around, how you're going to maneuver around, you know? Right. And that's when you got to keep your pace up. When you guys show me footage of you guys like racing and stuff, and I'm like looking at it, I'm like, dude, you guys are so close to like touching wheels. Like, I mean, you guys are right there going around turns and And that's the uh, rush too. And taking and everything. And I'm like, like, me personally, I couldn't do it. Like, you know well you could but but that's the thing like that's why you have the hpde ladder that's why you have comp school because you're not just gonna like show up and get immediately thrown on track in a race situation you have to go through all the different levels i mean it's not like i could just show up and just be like yo well no you have to i bought bought acura souped it up a little bit let me hit let me get a helmet (laughs) right throw me in coach i'm ready well you can but you'll be an hpd1 with an instructor yeah yeah no that's what what i'm saying like i ain't gonna be like on on the track with you guys being like yeah yeah. give me the helmet yeah send me in coach i'm ready no and let's do this and um there actually is a series out there that is like that you can arrive that is race fucking nuts and it is it is i mean they they have their fair share of issues and um imagine anybody that you know, typically people that um, say kudos to those guys. Well, yeah, uh, I've raced in those series and I did it once and I said I, I wouldn't go back yeah. because there's a lot of sketchy stuff happening. Oh, yeah, oh, I can agree. You were there with me. I was there with yeah, you. You were there with me. And, and I, I said, you know what? I did this once and I won't be returning. Yeah, it's just, you know, when that's not my only option. You know, I have the credentials to race. Where it's safe to race. Yeah. You know, I don't need to go somewhere where it's the Wild West. Right. Exactly. You know, and That's and, a good, and good like, put it. and like, right. um, I mean, I guess we can talk about this another time, but like the HPE ladder really builds you up for it because the thing that separates that race organization from something where that has an HPE ladder, I mean, first of all, the most important thing is how to conduct yourself safely on the track. You gotta you gotta understand like all the corner stations, like all all the flags. Well, that was the first thing I was gonna say is like yeah. my biggest problem with with like those series where they just allow you to ride and drive. Mm-hmm. How are you going to show up to a track you've never been to? Yeah. And then automatically you're supposed to know where the corner stations are. Yeah. And the flaggers. Yeah. And then you're supposed to be aware of all this. I don't know, man. Yeah. And, and I, you know what? I'll, I'll transition from this into the next topic, which to I mean, me, this is one of several problems I can come up with. Yeah, that. no, a hundred percent. But like, like we're coming for like a new student, you know, it's like you got to, first of all, learn how to communicate yourself to other drivers, yourself to the, to the flaggers and how the flaggers communicate to you. Like, these are all very important things. These are, it's not just, this isn't driving it yet. You, know, you haven't gotten to the driving portion yet. Right. This is just etiquette. This is just safety. This is just how you communicate. And of course, like this expands exponentially once you go into racing. Well, Another thing is, is, you know, learning early on, understanding what red mist is. Yeah. And then having somebody tell you you're you need to get control of yourself. You're overdriving the car. You're being a maniac. Yeah. And then you being aware, being made aware of that, recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And then in the future, when it happens again, recognizing that you're going through that. Yeah. And you need to turn it down about 10 percent. Yep. 
Yeah. No, for sure. Because I mean, it happens. I mean, it happens a lot. And, and only experience, you know, doing this for a long time. I mean, look, I've been doing this for six years and I've been racing for uh, five of them. And I still recognize there are some instances where I I tell myself, look, man, you got you got to you got to back it down about 10 percent. You're ever driving the car, you burn the tires off of it and, you know, not being unsafe, but you're just overdriving the car. Yeah. yeah. And when you do that and you're not experienced, that's when you can get yourself into bad situations. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I guess I, I guess dialing back a little bit on the conversation. I mean. I just did my comp school last weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. How did that go? What was your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a walk nearby? I can put my head into real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was interesting. I mean, um, well, you graduated. So congratulations on that. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, I, I, I got my, I got my soft copy with. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, don't yeah, hit my, anybody. Yeah, I got my original. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Can't bump draft anybody for three races. Yeah. Three weekends. <laughs> yeah. Can't do that. Um, I hope nobody bumps draft for me. That's the point. Well, <laughs> but um, dude, uh, I, I won't say it was wild. First of all, like the one thing I was panicked about was panicking about was the written portion of the test. I mean, if you've been experienced enough where you've been on track, you know, you can figure out flag stands or you can drive your line, whatever. Like that'll be the easy part when you get on track. That'll be almost like the sigh of relief when you get on track. But the classroom is, I won't say it is overly intense. But it's a lot of things they talk about in there. But the one thing that's lingering in the back of your mind is this written test. Right. I mean, and of course, it's not like just multiple choice. I mean, there are some multiple choice questions in there, but it's like you have to really understand the CCR. You have to understand why flags come out, what they actually represent, and how do you condone yourself around them? You know, it, it, it sounds simple when you're coming through the HPD ladder, but then when you actually start recognizing like real race situations, they're not just asking you to be like, oh, what, what is this flag? It's they're asking you to recognize a situation. Right. Well, that's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. And so that's very important. And, you know, that's something that's actually in my head. I was like, man, they're really putting a heavy emphasis on this. But after I was done with the clinic, I was like, or not the clinic, the, the, the school. I was just like, OK, this is like very important for everybody to know, you know, as a driver, you really have to know this. And um, there was that. And, of course, like the incidents of, you know, whose fault it is and contacts and all that shenanigans. Dude, I I can't tell you how many times I've approached a risky situation where I'm debating on whether or not I'm going to do a maneuver. And I tell my I I ask myself, you know, as this is how unfolding, is my bumper going to be at there? Or was my wheel going to be at their door? Yeah. When this goes down. Uh And then if I say it is, I go for it. If it's not. That's my gauge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what's pounded in your head at comp school. Do you have a right to be there? Do you have a right to be there? And like, if you're going to do some risky shit Mm. and you're going to end up in a situation, like if if at the end of the risky shit, you're not going to have a right to be there. Don't fucking bother. So here's another thing that I also had pounded into my head. I won't say pounded into a head, but I guess I kind of like pounded into my own head. Regardless of where you are and how you're driving, everything that you do is your responsibility. 100%. So if you pass somebody and you still hit them and you think you're in the wrong, no, that was your fault from getting in there and not, you know, safely, pass. safely, completing a pass safely. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody hits you. It's like, okay, if you're over here, it's like, if you're here or there on the track, whatever you can, you can draw scenarios out however many more ways that you want to do it. It's ultimately up to your discretion as to where you want to place your vehicle 
so you can stay out of trouble yourself. It's all good, hard and racing everywhere. But sometimes there are scenarios where even if it's not your fault, it's your fault. Yep. I'll tell you all about that. Yeah. Been and, in one and, of those myself. Yeah. There's it's it's your responsibility to make sure that not only are, are you going to be safe around the track. It's more so one of these things where it's are you going to keep your way out, of, keep yourself out of trouble? Well, and also prevent something from happening and prevent something from happening. Yeah. Right. And you don't you don't have to do anything for something to happen to you, but it's still your fault for the fact that you even put your car there. Yeah. Um. So it's little things like that. And, and, and of course, like I won't say it was like like eye opening or like a, a big like awakening awakening. Yeah. But comp school definitely did shove a bunch of stuff in your head where it's like, hey, look, dude, this stuff's a lot more severe than you think it is. And this stuff over here is, you know, you really have to really think about. But I mean, otherwise, moving moving away from the whole comp school stuff, like the actual in class portion itself. Well, is there is there a, a, a written test and a driving test that you got? Well, they, they gauge your driving. So they'll have people up in the in the in the crow's nest, they call them the flag stands, and they'll they'll watch what you're doing. Did you guys have a trailing car? No. So when we were doing the class the trailing car for the, the on track drills. OK, no, we didn't. So we had at least I wasn't aware of one. Maybe they didn't make you aware. Yeah. They made us aware. We had three cars mm-hmm. that broke up the different, like they were like, you know, front group, middle group, back group. They had mm-hmm. three, you know, I think Xavier was one of the people out there. Yeah. There were several like, you know, veterans out there watching the stuff that was going on out there. Yeah. And they were like evaluating people. Yeah. For the on track portion. Mm-hmm. They were probably doing that with you. You just didn't notice. Yeah. I mean, they didn't tell you about it. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah. It was interesting. Uh, well, what I guess kind of separates my. I guess comp school from a lot of other people. And I feel like Mark can be one of the only folks that can attribute to this is that mine was done in the rain. So there's a lot of extra precautions. Like, hey, man, don't overdrive the car. Don't do this. So it's like we had our we our, our first session out was a left side. Or a left track drill, I guess. You, you pretty much only drive on the left side of the track. And you bring your car to this, right? This, this is your car that you're yeah. driving. It's about to be your, it is your race car. It is your race car. Yeah, it's the one that you, that you got yeah. teched. Not it's like your one. personal vehicle, but like, yeah, like your actual like car yeah. that you're going to race. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. So, um, I don't know if you had to drive like their own, like they had their own setup and shit. You had to drive. No, no, no. So this is all your car. So you got to make sure your car is, is safe. So you, you got to make sure that it's logbook and all this shenanigans left and right. Yeah. And so um, I guess to walk through what my comp school was like, I mean, shit, um, first session, first lap, actually, we're just coming out of the fucking gate. Uh, I had a Camaro spin in front of me, so I had to go around him. And then um, I'm not sure if that caused an issue because this weekend was just filled with issues for me, apparently. Uh, I went around him, got back on track. And of course, everybody else started driving around and we were doing left left side uh, track drills. And for whatever reason, my car just decides to just hit a wall at 5000 RPM. And so I'm panicking when we hear just like something's wrong with my fucking car, but I'm afraid they didn't really inform us as far as like what your completion r- rate would be for each session. I knew like the race was like important. Like if you didn't start the race, like there'd be a potential that you just don't pass the comp school. Um, but I was afraid to back out. So I was like, OK, I can drive the car till 4500 RPM, you know, and try to stay out for as long as I can and just make it known that my car is not OK. So I went in the pits and, of course, like I ended the session early for that. That was fine. Of course, I'm be- I mean, if you're not with the comp school thing, if you're not in class, you're on track. So it's so important that you have somebody there for you to take care of anything that's going on in the car. And thank God that I have like the rest of the crew back at the paddock. 
you know, Freddie, Ashton, Mike, dude, everybody so instrumental in me passing the school. Um, that happened. And then, of course, second session of the day, my alternator took a shit. <laughs> and of course, I have no time to work on it. So I run back to the classroom and I'm over here, like trying to text the guys or trying to be not be ruined the class. And Ashton and Mike are over in my car switching on an alternator that Ryan Bradfield had. I think it's one of the toughest parts of the comp school is like you're not only bringing yourself up from HPD to racing, but you're also bringing the car up. Yeah. And you're really riding the car pretty hard. Oh, 100%. And, and, yeah. and unfortunately, like if the car is not really well prepped, you're starting to figure out where all your weak spots are in your car. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, man. I, I went into that weekend 100% confident in my car. I looked at it. I mean, I had sleepless nights right. where I looked at the car. I'm like, but it's I, never enough. Yeah, it's never enough. I went in there. I was like this weekend, like this is the most prepared I ever had in my car. Like it's been reliable in the past, but it's going to be uber reliable now. It will only become reliable after you probably put about four or five events on that. Car. Yeah, exactly. And actually, like really actual race events, tra- like actually really just like put it, really work. Put the it through the ringer. Yeah, you'll, you'll get to a point where you've replaced all the weak parts on it. Yeah, and then it's just solid after that. Yeah, hundred percent. And what, uh, uh, what is one of the biggest things you got from the on track comp school portion? What is your takeaway? Um. Well, I mean, mine might be mine might be a little different from everybody else's, considering the fact that a lot of these drills I'd been doing over the course of me being an advanced quote unquote driver, you know, like half track drills and stuff like that. I I do that with my students, you know, so it's like that wasn't really new to me. I'm not sure who who, who it was new to, um, but really where like it opened up my eyes where I was just like, OK, this is new for me was like the mock starts. You know, you don't really know you're ready until you see that flag and you're just like. This is the first time I'm seeing this flag. It's one of the best. How do I react? Ever. You know, this and that. Like, I'd never launched this car ever in my life. Right. You know, this is this was a daily drive before I turned into a track car six, almost seven years ago now. And here I am. They're waving the start and I'm getting so antsy, man. I'm holding the revs at five. Why am I holding the revs at five? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like the very first time I dumped that clutch on that on that on that green flag coming down i'm just spinning dude i'm like all right grab second i'm like oh my god fuck (laughs) see it's funny that that stuff happens like because i can't really relate to racing like that yeah the closest thing i got is when i took my motorcycle course i mean what was it probably two years ago yeah but i've been riding a motorcycle with my my dad and stuff since i've had a driver's license on the road yeah so i'm like i i know everything i'm gonna you know i'm just gonna walk this is gonna be a cakewalk and i get in there and i start like testing and i'm so confident and they're like all right like you know brucci you're up hit it go and i'm like all of a sudden it's just like all right well now everybody's looking at me and i'm on this bike that i'm not really familiar with but like yeah every bike's kind of the same you got the clutch you got the pedal right there like go yeah and i'm like messing up and i'm like dude i should be it's way I different when the pre- in this when like the pressure yeah, when the pressure's when on, the pressure's it's way different pressure way different. adds a the, whole the, new yeah. aspect the, the, to the everything pressure, yeah the pressure made me hold that rpm higher yeah the pressure made me spin you know what's funny is um two things you know speaking to the pressure it one of the easiest events i'd ever had in my entire life was the october event after we came back from nationals dakota uh-huh. i remember i always have a little bit of antsiness when we pull up and come to the flag stand for the start of the race yeah there's always just that little bit of like butterflies uh-huh. i don't really know what it's like i've done this you know 30 fucking times there should there should be no fucking problem right there always is that little bit of lingering nervousness uh-huh. and i don't know why but I remember that October event, man. I pulled up to that fucking flag stand, and I remember I had it on pole, 
And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this feels so beneath me. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Like, it's you, just you, like you have a pulse that rivals a dead man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just like, I'm on pole. I just got off a podium at nationals. I'm like the pressure of nationals and all of that, you know, pressure. And I come into this and it's just another regional event that I've tracked. I'm extremely familiar with. I've got pole. It should just be a cakewalk. I remember pulling up that flag saying, look at that flyer. I'm like, you can fucking drop this thing or what, dude? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just remember feeling nothing but just ice in my veins. Like, yeah. I've got this. There's nothing that's going to stop me from winning this race. And I've yet to feel that again. It went away. It was just that lasted for one event. Yeah. And then the next year, you know, we went to fall finale and, um, you know, it lasted a little bit there, but then the following year it, it just reset. Yeah. And I went back to kind of feeling. I can only imagine bit. like you're on such a huge high. Dude, you're, you're just, you're coming off of that feeling like, I don't know how to explain it. You're just like, it's, it's it, the best way to put it is like, it's not that it's beneath you, but you just feel like, you know, this is just, it's just regional racing. Yeah. But getting back to the comp school thing, one of the things that I, I wanted to you know pick your brain on this to see if you experience the same thing. I'd say that one of the biggest things from the on track portion of comp school that I left comp school with mm-hmm. was what you could do offline with the car. Yeah. You know, for the longest time in HPDE, you know, you're 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 taught stay online. The party line. Yeah. You, you know, you stay that. you stay online and this is what you can do. And then I had people that were friends of mine that would always tell me, you know, you go offline and you hit curbs and you do this, that. Like, for example, don't hit the curb and turn four at Summit because you'll die. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember I remember that was like the biggest thing. Like, you know, I had some people pounding into my head and I always went through HPDE like that. Mm-hmm. And then I went to comp school and I remember doing the side by side drills. And then I remember going up the final S at VIR. Mm-hmm. Almost at pretty much like race speed on the outside in all the marbles. I yeah. think um I think like, you know, it had been like pretty late in the day and like a lot of the test and tune had gone by and had thrown a bunch of marbles out there. And I remember driving through there and visually seeing marbles on the track of where I was going through mm-hmm. and I got scared, but the car made it. Yeah. And after that I gained a lot of confidence that like I could kind of almost put my car anywhere on track and it's gonna do what I ask of it. Yeah. You know. And that's that's a huge thing. And like and like I said to you, I mean, these are things that even my student, like I I have my students do. See, I never had anybody do that yeah. for me. And I and I would you know I even went even all the way to HPD four, thinking this you is know, the line. You, you better stay online because if you go offline, this you're going to be in way. trouble. Yeah, this is the way. This is the way. And um, <laughs> and then I got into racing, and you know that all went out the fucking mm-hmm. window. I remember. I remember um, driving one of uh, one of our JVHC guys' cars, um, a no arrow hatch, and I remember going through turn four with one of our friends as the passenger, but he was pretty always pretty adamant about not hitting that curb. Yeah, and we were like going too wide through there with a Miata, and I just kept the foot to the floor going like a bucko five through turn four, <laughs> and I smashed the dog shit out of that curb, and the whole rear of the car kicked out, and I'm just you know. Just wheeling through it like, you know, this is just another day in the car, you know? Yeah. But shit that, you know, back in HPDE3, if I would have done that, I would have shit my pants yeah. and been freaked the fuck out. Uh-huh. But <clears throat> it's just funny, you know? It, it, it honestly, it, it, I won't say it's weird, but it's it's the experience that kind of bleeds through on this where you have those situations where if you were X amount of years 
back then and you you experienced that, that would have been a Code Brown for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. I would have been freaked the fuck out. And it would probably, I probably would have lifted and crashed the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And there's plenty of situations now where it's like I find myself just like, oh, that felt unsettling. Just point the car and accelerate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you 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 know, you gain enough experience and you have enough of these moments and you you push through these moments and you put those situations in your in your memory in your in your in your logbook of your memory and you're like, yeah, I've been here, done that. Yeah, and and you know, I know what to do in these situations. Yeah, and it's just you know, when the people say there's no replacement for experience, it, it truly is. Yeah, you know, you, and I, I definitely find myself in situations found myself in situations even like in de where it's like i would do some sketch and be like there's been three other times where i've done this exact same thing and the car has done well actually for the most part the same thing yeah. <laughs> by by me saving it out of the turn you know whether it reacted one way or another the outcome was the same and i'll just do it again right that's wild i mean um but yeah I man as far as like the rest of the comp school weekend i mean i felt like the car wanted to kill me i feel like a lot of it was just set up and a combination of just tires, old tires. Um, yeah, you kind of had some weird stuff going on, man, that I I honestly don't even have true explanations for from what you were telling yeah. me what's going on. Your setup, <clears throat> you know, on paper seems to be ideal, especially for uh, somebody that is, you know, a beginner in racing. Your your setup on paper seems to be yeah. a, a good setup. Yeah, and uh, I, not, I, I went through not, a couple – I, I did a couple changes, and I mean, I didn't really feel confident with the car up until uh, – Probably uh, the Saturday race, you know, when I dialed everything back and, you know, I was able to flip the switch and get in my head and, you know, whether it be a setup issue or not, it's one of those things where I just had to deal with. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you mm -hmm. from what you're telling me the car is doing. I kind of want to put that setup in my car because <laughs> what you're telling me it's doing is what the hell I want. You know, I'm yeah. like, that shit sounds amazing. Well, go, well, <laughs> go drive my car once I, once I fix what's going on with the power. I go around and swing a 210 in that bitch. I'm like, this is the way. Yeah. yeah. This is the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I mean, other than that, man, um, of course, I, I had this one lingering issue, which, of course, I brought up to the attention of the rest of the group yesterday. Um, I pulled the spark plug out of my, well, so long story short, I had that weird, you know, walling at 5,000 RPM on Friday. I didn't really have a whole lot of issues Saturday or the rest of Friday and Saturday. And I get the grid and my AFRs are a little lower than usual. I don't think much of it. Go out on track and on lap three, sure as shit, man, coming out of fucking oak tree. I floor it. Feels like it's all the powers there. Get to about five grand. And it just walls again. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I limp into the pits, put my foot in, try to rev it up a little bit, see what happens. Cause it's getting pretty down low in the RPM. Feels like it's misfiring down there. I just want to see what happens. Car shuts off on me. And of course it's enough to, for me to like leave it in neutral and kind of roll around to where I guess the snack shack is. And that's where the car, like I lost momentum. I couldn't roll the car any further. Mike comes off track. And of course he bumps me all the way back to the paddock or back to the, to our paddock spot. And uh, yeah, man, the car won't turn back on. And, you know, fast forward through everything. I don't want to look at the car. I don't want to touch it. Just load it up, get it home. That's whatever. So I finally started tinkering with it yesterday. I pulled the spark plug out. Cylinder one, man, that bitch is smashed. That spark plug is smashed. God I, fucking I, I looked it. down. This, I looked I looked down the hole and there it is, man. I see. It wouldn't be a Honda Challenge Comp School without a blown up motor. Dude, I don't know what it is about Comp School weekends, period. 
Yeah. But it somehow manages to really get the worst of us. Yeah. I mean, shit. I can go back to the original fours. Back in 2016, we had the original fours. Ryan Bradfield, Mean Doss, PB, Horsey, and like, I mean, PB fucking lost a head gasket. Naveen fucking broke his header, actually. And he had, I think, a couple of small other issues. Mike had some suspension issues. And I think Bradfield was the only one that made it out in skate. Mm-hmm. You come back the following year or the year after that, you blow up a motor. Morgan blows up a motor. motor? <laughs> Morgan also blows up a motor. Right. Uh, fuck, who else? I mean, Brent, I think, finished all right. He did. Yeah, he, 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 he made was, it through. He was a lucky few. I mean, we've had a couple other rookies that have come by. I mean, that who, who was 18? Was that, was that Mark? Mark, yeah. Mark. Mark made it through. Mark made it through, for sure. And I think he was the only person in comp school. For, oh, he, the Herbie. Herbie was in that comp school, too. I mean, he yeah. didn't come back and race with us. But, I mean, the thing with that, I mean. What was last year, 19? Con? No, it was Con was. I don't remember what year Con was. Con was last year, I think. Was he? I think. I mean, do you think that plays down the nerves? or? What about Zach? Zach, he, uh, he had a big oil leak issue. Which put him out of commission. Was he last year? No, I think it was two years ago. 18. No, that would have been 19. 19. That's what I meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a big oil leak issue. Uh, put him out of commission. He had to redo it again. Hunter also had an issue where he had to redo. Uh, he had to do a comp eval at Summit. So, I mean, I don't know what it is about comp school, but it just plagues the Hunter challenge. That's what I'm saying. Do you think it just comes down to nerves and people just messing up when they're driving? No. Nah, I, I can't put I nerves on just, alternator. I can't put nerves on me well, sucking up water. I can't. Thing, yeah. I can't. I think it's a lot of it. It's just, just circumstance. I mean, you're. It's definitely circumstance. It's the, first, it's the first time you're ever pushing these cars in a race situation. And, yeah, you know, a lot of times, like I said, you just work the bugs out of them. I mean, I was. I was pretty lucky. Like I, yeah, I blew the motor up, and then we put the other motor in, and then after that, I knock on wood did not have problems with my car for a very long time. Yeah, I guess that also plays back to what you guys were talking about earlier about the track that shit crew. Like you guys are, this is it's a solid crew. Yeah, ran it out on race, and and that's one thing, man. Y'all are always talking about how you know something breaks, somebody's got a part that's in your crew that yeah, you know, we're we're all competitors. We're all competitors. But more than importantly than all that is that we're all friends. We all hang out with each other right. outside of the track. Yeah. The track is just what brought us together. And yeah, I mean, if you guys is didn't what brought us together. Track, I, mean, I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the, at the base route, we're all just a bunch of Honda rats in our in our youth that came together, got on track and still mess around with the same cars. Not only that, but now we just want to hang out with each other because that's what brought us together. And even though our personalities are 180 yeah, apart, we'll we still you want got, to hang out with each other. Like you guys said in the beginning, you I mean, you all got to. Solid taste in music, first and foremost. Y'all love motors. I love motors too. You know, any anything with a motor, whether it's a truck, car, boat, yeah, bike, whatever. But I mean, you guys are definitely a solid group of people. These are uh, you guys. Uh, you guys love to party and drink. So these are my closest friends. I can say that 100%. for sure. I mean, it's weird because I could say I had some best friends growing up and stuff like that. But the the kind of friends that I've met through a common interest like this is just ridiculous i mean we can we couldn't be any further different you know no it's, it's weird like you take you take the racing and the cars away and i don't see how most of us would have ever even met or become it, friends yeah and it's it's the oddest relationships but they're like the best relationships oh they're 100 yeah. yeah i mean and it's wild as shit man and of course we have these like 
I won't say vacations because not really vacations. I know we said we don't take vacations, but we have like the Daytona, the annual Daytona trip. Well, no, no, those are different. But yeah. like, and then the one hundred percent different. <laughs> <laughs> and then the and then the pro race stuff that we go and watch, yeah. which COVID kind of killed. But um, no, I mean, I'll be honest with everybody. I mean, a track weekend, a race weekend is not a fucking vacation. No. Definitely not. It's, it's the first not. thing away from it. And the only thing I want more after I get back from the track is to take a day or two off. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. It's it's the most fun combined with the most. It's the most stressful fun you'll ever have. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's it's odd, but I don't know how it's, you it's a, do it. It's it's one of these like satisfaction. It's, I don't know. It's like one of those. That it hurts so good sometimes. I'm not sure how to put it, but it's like it's stressful. 100 percent. It's stressful. Yeah. Like getting your car ready. Like, first of all, like. The fact that you're throwing all this kind of money that <laughs> at your car, you know, that's like stressful as enough as it is. I mean, you're mixing finance and then you're mixing your time, your, your personal time to get you this fucking car. Right. Oh, the resources you invest re- in this, like everything, dude, it's like it's stressful. But once you get to the show and you drive your car, granted, like still like a quarter or even three quarters of the situation in the weekend can still be stressful. Whatever is left of it where you get that much of excitement, the adrenaline rush, the enjoyment, like. But everything else, really, man, that fills in that little little, little bit of gap there is, is a hundred percent worth all the stress. It's worth all like whatever it is that like would piss you off about the car, you know, and that and that just makes it all. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how Chris does it. Like, I've met Chris through work, so obviously I know what he does at work. Yeah, and then we become like borderline best friends, you know, through the years. And it's like, then I get invested and know is what he does on a day-to-day life. And it's like, dude, I don't know how you make these trips, make these races, and then come back you know, and tell me everything that happened through that. And then you're at work on Monday. Yeah. And it's wild because, like, I remember the very first time I went to VIR, you know, on paper for my parents' house where I was staying at the time, it was just like, it's four and a half hours away. Wow. I'm going to take the daily driver that I have that I like to take to the track at some point that's only an hour away. And I'm going to multiply that by almost five times to get down somewhere that I've never been before, drive the piss out of it and try to bring it back. Yeah. And, I mean, that dude, the people that I give the utmost respect to the people that, you know, do not truck and trailer their vehicle to yeah. the, the, the track. Oh, oh yeah. that was me for like the first like six years. I man. did it twice. And then I, I was like, I'm, I just assumed everybody. No, man. There's all there. The, like pretty much 90% of the HPD. Crew. I was driving my car to my, my first Three years, I was driving my car to work and back and then to the track. Yeah, I That's had. Why? Yeah, I had one. The second time I went to the track, I had a very close brush with a failure and not being able to get the car home. And I said <laughs> from here on, you know, it was it was a November event. So it was the off season coming up. I said, I'm going to save every dime I could possibly get. And I'm buying a truck or trailer. And I saved all my money and I paid cash for a piece of crap. Dodge. Did you ever meet the black truck? Did you ever see the black truck that I had? Yeah, you had a black twenty five. That, that black twenty five hundred I had. Yeah, yeah, the gasser. That thing was a. Was I think a, it was a fucking tank. It was a tank, but it was a pile. And <laughs> then I bought uh, with my tax money. I bought a. Um, I bought an open trailer, brand new. I said I wanted to buy a brand new trailer. I didn't want to buy a used trailer. And I got a great deal. This place up in Pennsylvania, man. I think I paid like twenty four hundred dollars for that trailer. Nice. Yeah, it was a great deal. Brand new steel. It was a heavy trailer, mm-hmm. but it was a it was an open. It had that diamond plate deck on it. It was a great trailer. Um, it served its purpose well, but yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, if you can, to anybody that's listening out there, if you're going to track your car, 
Get a truck or trailer. Get a truck or trailer. <laughs> just get a, anything, just anything that'll the, transport your car. I mean, anything. A, a, like, dude, even like, you know, a dolly. Yeah, I have a dolly and a truck. Dude, the and, peace of mind that comes with that. Oh, my God, dude. So I won't elaborate too much on the situations, but I had driven, you know, whether it be my, my daily to the track, to track, back and forth numerous times, man. And I, dude, there's been so many times where it's like I've, I've gone to tire walls on multiple occasions where I've been like, wow, I'm glad that wasn't worse because at least I can drive the car home. You know, there's been those situations. There's been situations where it's like I'm around the side of 360 one time on the way to VIR. Well, my fucking distributor took a shit. Well, remember the time your brake booster took a shit? Oh, yeah. My brake booster took a shit, too. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, I'm sitting there giving you parts off my carts in my trailer. I'm like, so I can make it home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like there's times like these. And especially like if you're making this trip by yourself like I was, man, it's like. Especially VIR. Especially VIR, man. It's you like know, when, when I was streaming took a shit. At least at Summit. People can go home, drop their car off, come back. Yeah. It, it's an hour and a half. Yeah. But to VIR, man, it, you know what I mean? Like, like I had a, that's a little, five hours like, away. Like I was telling you, it's like I had a distributor take a shit on me on the side of 360. I am still like 100 miles in either direction for anybody that can even get to me. Right. <laughs> and so like I'm taking Uber rides to Advance Auto trying to fucking buy whatever they have that could potentially fix my car like in my head that makes sense to the point where by the time that I need to well, at least I figured out what was wrong. I, I couldn't go back anymore because they were closed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm literally on some dude's property and there's n- no fucking lights. <laughs> oh, I'm in the back country. just like, well, shit. <laughs> I hope somebody comes What by. do I do now? Yeah. And luckily okay. enough, like you have our friends in the paddock that will come by and save you. And I can't think of more than. I don't know. I can't think of enough. I really can't. And, you know, these are the kind of friends you make eventually over time. Yeah. I mean, it. I wouldn't be doing this yeah. if like I probably still like I, I wouldn't be doing it still. It's the support system, man. It's like 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 we were mentioning earlier. It's like, well, it's not the support system. It's just the the camaraderie, the social. Like I go to the track and half the fun I get out of the track is just hanging out with all my friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The racing is great. That's fun. But I would have been probably done with this a couple of years ago. Yeah. Had it not been for all everybody. That That's what keeps me coming back. Yeah. You know, no, for sure, man. There's been times where it's like I couldn't even finish the day off, and I was like, "Well, you know what? My friends are still in the paddock. They never <laughs> left. They never left. <laughs> it's cold beers to cooler, right? And they're or- probably going to be up later. And I don't. I- well, sorry, folks. We had a bit of a technical difficulty there, but I guess we're back. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Life goes on. Just Life goes on. So you've had a hell of a week. Oh yeah. So hold on a second. We're going to switch gears for for a sec. Well, obviously, I don't think anybody follows the news in Glen Burnie or Baltimore area, but don't don't do that. No, yeah, it's a bad idea. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't good. do that. Nothing but, good comes out. Well, let's bring Gucci Brucci in here, man. Let, let let us know about what the fuck happened this week, man. So what was it yesterday? I think so. Yeah, yeah yesterday. What was today again? Today's Friday. So Fr- Friday the what? Thursday. It would have been Thursday the twenty fifth. Okay. Um, I wake up. I take Wilson out. Come back inside. I'm just chilling. Um, well, I guess a little backstory is I live in an apartment, an apartment complex. Anyways, I let the dog out, come in just like any other morning, brush my teeth, started making my lunch, and uh, hear hear a couple pops outside. So I had the windows open. I was like, not really thinking anything of it. Like, 
I just mean, I've, I've heard some morning in Baltimore. Just another morning in Baltimore. Well, I mean, I've heard gunshots before, but like, I guess I've never heard like this small of a caliber. So like, it didn't really register to me. Like, <laughs> I'll pay any mind of that little pea shooter shit. And also it's like four o'clock, like, you know, like four o'clock in the morning, somewhere around that range. And uh, if it like, ain't the big gun, I ain't worried. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, walked outside moments before. I didn't hear anything. Didn't see anyone out there. Like it, it was quiet morning. All of a sudden, a couple pops ring off. And I'm like, you know, finished making my lunch. Got my grab my coffee and grab my keys. Go out the door, go to the work van. And uh yeah, just hop in, start pulling out. Well, when I pull out, I'm like, there's two speed bumps I gotta go over to get out of my apartment. So I go over the first one, start heading towards the second one. Something just told me to look left, I guess. I like look over and there's just some dude laying in like the fetal position in the parking spot. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, so I'm like kind of start putting like two and two together on what had happened roll the window down i'm like yo nothing i'm like yo so you're hauling her at this dude yeah and like he's not responding so i just put two and two together roll the window up start driving off and like my first initial instinct was like not getting involved not calling out like i just nah did nothing happen true baltimore fashion yeah i mean yeah just another morning (laughs) and then like i started like driving off and i'm like dude this this guy might still be alive, so I'm like, start coming, like, calm down, because like, I, dude, I was in pure shock. Like, the heart was racing, hands right. were shaking, and like, I kind of calmed down. I'm like, you, you have to call nine one one. So I call nine one one, tell them exactly what I just told you guys, and then they're like, all right, well, we got like officers in Ambo and Brute. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get gas. I'm gonna head to work. So I get to the Seven Eleven, top of the street start filling up and then I get like two missed phone calls back to back because I left my phone like in the van while I'm filling up so I like grab my phone to put music on see I have two missed calls immediately back to back same number I call back and then he's like this is officer so-and-so you know like you need to come back because like we need to have a talk like this isn't funny holy shit like what do you this isn't funny what and he's like, yeah, like, you think it's funny to, like, call this in? And it's like, it's fake. Like, there's no one here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, there's no way. There's no one there. Like, I know what I saw. So I, like, immediately come back down the road, pull up. And he's like, they're looking in front of, like, my apartment building. I'm like, no. Like, I told you it was, like, in front of the main entrance. And they parked the Ambo, like, right next to this guy. Like, literally... I don't know how they didn't see him when they opened the door. Like, he was right there. So they come out. They, like, I show him where he's at. And he had he had been dead for a while. I mean, like. Holy he, shit. Yeah, he, he was definitely, like, dead moments after he got shot. Like, he got lit up. Mm-hmm. He, it wasn't it wasn't a, a pretty scene. And, of course, they asked me, like, you know, what'd you see? What'd you see? And I'm like, oh, I didn't see anything. I was making my lunch, like. I just so happened to be the guy that left moments after everything happened and looked to his left and seen a body there. So, yeah, that was my, my Thursday morning. That was my Thursday morning. That was my Thursday morning. And, uh, I, I mean, that's like the... I've been living there for like two and a half years. That's the first time anything has ever happened like that. Right. Man, that shit's fucking wild, dude. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, there's been, like, the fair share of, like, gunshots that have, like, popped off over there. Right. But there's never been anything of it. Like, no cars have gotten lit up. Like, it's just been people, I guess, drunk outside shooting so, their guns in there. Man, I mean, I'm not trying to sound comedic on any of this, but, like, what'd you tell your job? I mean, I assume you're late for work and shit, right? No, I just, I literally called my foreman, Corey, that Chris knows, and I was like, hey, I'm gonna be a few minutes late. And he was like, all right. And I was like, no bullshit. Like, I'm literally talking to a cop right now. Like, somebody died in front of my apartment. I found him. And he was like, I could tell he had just woke up. Like, he was going to be late anyways. <laughs> like, I I could hear it, like, in his voice. He's like, all right. And then, like, a second went by, and he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I got to go, dude. Like, I'm literally, like, talking to a cop. So I'm like, like, I found a dead body. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. I was like, can you say something? He's like, yeah, this is officer, whatever his name was. And Corey's like, all right, man, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Shit, it dude. was it was pretty wild. It was pretty nerve wracking. I mean, but yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you right. gonna do? What is your problem? Family, family. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know, like, dude, when I uh, there was a lot of scenarios that went through my head like on how i was playing everything out and like the shame is like they're probably never gonna catch a killer no way there's no, no yeah, there's no cameras at my apartment complex no. yeah like Dude, they, they they were sitting in the perfect spot like literally they were sitting to where they were behind bushes they were covered on almost all directions mm-hmm. like they they knew what they were doing yeah it, it was definitely like some kind of hit the dude because now it's like man. came out that that dude was like wanted apparently in annapolis for a shooting that happened something like i got the, the dead dude yeah so Holy like it, it, i got off it's like revenge that i mean i'm not saying anything uh, yeah i can't I, I, that would just be my guess my, yeah it's my, my fat, when everything I starts on whatever when everything starts unfolding like that's yeah. what it looks like so it crumbles i've got 100 to a 20 that shit was all drug related i don't think so because they also said that they found drugs on them Wait a minute, you don't think so? No, they they found drugs on him. Right, what I'm saying is that was some sort of retaliation hit. Like, they don't give a fuck about what little Oh, in the long run, yeah, it might yeah. have been, you know, what, way back when, yeah, it might have originated over all Or that. he killed one of their boys yeah. or some shit. But who knows? You know. I mean, it, the shame is the kid... You don't just kill random people. He was a kid. <laughs> he was a kid. Like, he, uh, the dude was 21 years old. Oh, fuck, that sucks. Like, yeah. that's, that's what gets... Like, he did... Uh, he didn't get to enjoy his twenty, like his, he his just, 20s. He's got his mean, drinking age. Well, the fuck, have you ever seen The Wire? <laughs> oh my God, here you are again with the fucking wire. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I'd go one day without you mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the, the crime rate around here is just... It's Baltimore, it's man. It's astronomical, and I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah, me too. Dude, when I, uh, when I did the Baltimore Metro subway for work, you know, we did the upgrade down there. Um, I remember this one time we came in to work for the like, you know, 5 a.m. And the whole subway station was taped off and there was two chalk lines at the very top of the escalators. Yeah. You know, and there was blood fucking puddles everywhere. I mean, that's just the way it is, dude. Like, God, I mean, we can fill up a whole nother episode yeah. of my stories of when I worked nights in Baltimore for my old company. I mean, we were working midnight, like midnight to 8 a.m. Yeah. 
And the stories I could tell you about what I've seen on Charles Street, Monroe Street, Edmondson Avenue. I mean, I literally had a fucking 12-year-old come up and ask me, do I want a boy or girl to my car? And I was like, not interested in your drugs. And he was like, not talking drugs, brother. I'm like, just trying to hook you up with a hooker here. And I'm like, how old are you? And he was like, I'm 12. What the fuck does that mean? Like, do you want one or not? And I'm like, get the fuck away from my car. And he's like, all right, fuck you then. And ran off. And I'm like, that fucking 12-year-old just tried to sell me a hooker. Yeah, 12-year-old pimp. What the fuck? Like, dude, Baltimore is, like, I've told Chris this a million times. It is like a science experiment that went wrong. Like, very wrong. (laughs) Dude, I'll never forget. I came out of the- I've never been to a city like it. I came out of the subway the one night, and- this one chick comes walking up to me out of nowhere. She's like, what's up, baby? You trying to fuck? I got condoms. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm good. Dude, <laughs> it's, quite all right. I've, I mean, I've been to a bunch of major cities and nothing, compa- like nothing even comes close. Dude, right on Utah and Saratoga on the corner, right? I'm, I'm standing there. It's probably 3 a.m. in the morning. And I look across the street, across Saratoga. There's this fucking guy. He's leaned up against this building, clearly a fucking heroin addict because he's nodding out. And then this guy comes bebopping around the corner and he goes up to the guy and tries like picking him up. Like he's got him underneath his like his arms underneath his his armpits, like picking him by the shoulders. He starts dragging him across the street. Well, the bus comes down Utah and stops on the corner, the opposite corner from like where he was dragging him across the street. The dude just drops him in the middle of the street and fucking beelines it for the bus. Gets on the bus, <laughs> rolls out, leaves his boy in the middle of the street. And then I'm standing there looking at the people I'm working with like, um, should we like call this guy in that's now laying in the middle of the street unconscious? Because he's going to get run over. Right. Like somebody's going to come across the hill and just splatter him. And they're like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And we called, and then the fucking Ambo shows up, and they scoop him off the fucking ground, throw him in the back, and take him wherever. And it's just, that was another fucking night, man. Wow, I feel so sheltered. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby. <laughs> hey, one guy, man, I'm, I'm going down the escalator. He's coming up the escalator. And he goes, uh, hey, man, you got a dollar? And I'm like, the fuck do I look like? An ATM? And he tries, like, jumping across the fucking uh, the escalator. And then he trips in the middle and <laughs> rolls the whole fucking way down, dude. I turned around, and I ran back up the wrong side along with the escalator. I'm like, oh, I'm not fucking with him, dude. I'm going to get the bottom of my ass. he beat me down there. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to beat my ass. Yeah. yeah, I'm not fucking with him, dude. Got over a dollar. <laughs> oh, I told you. I was like, the fuck I look like an ATM. He didn't like that. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, just, I don't know, man. Baltimore's just... It's, Dude, it's I'm like just, I'm trying to think of some own, of the other things, it's man. It's its own thing. It's an it animal, really man. is, dude. It's a wild fucking place. No, oh, one one time down at State Center, man. I get I get down the escalator and I'm going into the subway station, and I'm looking around and because like, I smell this smell, smell and it's just smell that smells. Dude, it's a rotten fucking smell, and there's nobody down there. Nobody down there. Like the station, the booth attendant's not there, and I'm like, something ain't right. And I called I called the uh. I called the uh, the maintenance shop, you know, like the main line that like I get to. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on at State Center? What are you doing at State Center? <laughs> um, well, I'm down here working. And they're like, you know, you need to leave. There's a dead body in the back. <laughs> 
dude, you know, drug addict went into the back to the non-public area of the station shooting up drugs and then ended up dying back there. And like they're waiting for him to be extracted. That's like when, uh, and the whole fucking station just stunk of death. When we worked at, um, like, you know, like when, like, if you've ever been around death, like death, like it, like it's, it's got a presence. Like I knew as soon as I got down there and I was like, as soon as it smelled like a rot. So that could have been like, a, did, did you not hear the story? Oh no. I, I mean, like, yeah, you got <laughs> it. Was it was definitely eerie. It was yeah. Weird. You, there's a presence to it, man. It's like, I got down there. I'm like, something right. Yeah. It definitely kind of like, like one, I guess once, there's got to be an instinct like in your body that like it just all of a sudden it just registers on what it is right it's i'm saying it's like there's there's a presence to it like it it just hits you and like your your whole body just kind of goes numb yeah and you're just like what the fuck that was like the one guy at lexington market um i just left the platform and i was going up the escalator and i hear like a whole fuck ton of people just start like screaming. Apparently, doing a wheelchair threw himself in front of the train, and <laughs> right after I left, thank fucking god, I left. I was going up the escalator out of there, and I hear all the screams. What the fuck is that? I get to the top, and like half hour later, I hear about what the fuck happened. Thank god I wasn't there, witness that. Holy shit! Yeah, that's wild fucking. Wow, place, man, this man. podcast really turned. <laughs> 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 yeah. So racing. Yeah, man. So having racing, right? Comp school, having a bad time at comp school, kind of, not really. Dead bodies? What the fuck? I went to comp school to face the death. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, man. Baltimore is a wild fucking place, dude. It really is, man. It kind of, like, really registered for me on how, like, crazy things had gotten there when we were doing a job at Hood College right across from Mondalman Mall. Me and Bud were, like, Bro, fuck Subway. Subway's trash. trash. I would either work through or just eat Subway. I would not recommend going to my Domino Mall. Just eat too. I've been in the Mondama Mall before. When Sketch. I worked. That's, well, the Mondaman Metro Station is where I found those two chalk lines that one morning. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Place is like a fucking war zone. It really is, dude. Um, The worst part is, was when I was um working down off Pennsylvania Avenue uh, on the west side in um, right down the street from Mondaman. And uh, we were working in a line vent. And Jesus, man, the shit that, that was going on down there. Motherfuckers puking in trash cans, slinging dope right on the side of the sidewalk, not even giving a fuck who watches. Just out in the open, just, you know, doing the exchange. Like, I'm talking like not even like taking money and sending somebody like down the street to get the shit. I'm talking about like just exchanging money for the shit right there. Same person. Yeah, you know, like they just don't even give a fuck. No. Um, I feel like Baltimore is just like at this point, just literally overran. Like, well, they could the corruption. They'll, they'll never get it back. No, there's just too much corruption. They, they literally have to wipe out the entire city council, the mayor's office. It's just wipe this they cut like half the head off the government to uh the city government they need to find a way to just put a dome just like a big fucking dome over baltimore and then just gas it (laughs) (laughs) okay nazi ss 
That's what I'm saying. That's what you got to do. You well, just, you really just got to firebomb the whole fucking just west white, side. What's the difference between that and gasoline? I mean, if you firebomb, it's going to level the fucking place. Gas yeah. is just going to level it with humans. I don't and know, then, man. It's Then you got a fresh new start. Definitely a troubled fucking place. <laughs> but that'll never happen. Well, like I said, this podcast really, uh, <laughs> it took a turn <laughs> at some point <laughs> or another. But, uh... Well, I'm glad everybody. I hope you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> and then people, shit got people, pretty loyal. People eat up that crime shit now. Come to DC. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Cold case files. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll have another episode out for you shortly. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yep, absolutely. No doubt. Peace out. Night.